0: Thanks for listening to the weekly Overflow Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Jesse Cup. For more information, visit overflowindy.com or visit us on Facebook at Overflow Indy. I I, I came across a, a journal from one year ago, a couple of days ago, and I want to read this to you because this was amazing. That my son David, who's eight, he was, he was seven at the time. David ran into my office today three separate times asking me what I want. I never called for him. <laughs> he also asked Jessica and Livy if they called his name. They did not. Pretty wild. He literally thought I was messing around with him, but I wasn't. He had just read in his Bible earlier today, the story when Samuel went to Eli, when he was a little boy, three times, thinking that he called for him, and they eventually realized it was actually God calling his name. I told David he needs to go to his room and ask God if it was him, and if so, ask if he has something to say. So he went to his room, and God confirmed to him that it actually was him. That's pretty wild, right? God, uh, David audibly heard God call his names or name three times. Just like Samuel did. Isn't that crazy? Uh, maybe I'm just a dad, but I think that's awesome. <laughs> like that's what we want, right? So he asked God what he has to say to him. I'm not even making this up, all right? God said, I want you to get your room cleaned and have it done by 7 p.m. Can I get a hallelujah? I'm not joking. God told him that, and he heard him audibly. God, is, was, he's, he's been honing his, his spiritual senses. He heard God's voice. He thought it was me, thought I was joking with him, and it wasn't. All right, But God, like, I mean, that's profound. Like, you're hearing God's voice calling you by name, audibly. Come on. But then God is, is saying, I want you to clean your room. Have it done by 7. I have no doubt this was real because he had that sucker done by 6.30. <laughs> now that is a miracle. Amen. I reminded him of this. I read it to him a couple of days ago and he's still is about three days into us waiting for him to get his room clean now. So <laughs> I'm hoping to have this encounter again, but, but, but uh, like, that's amazing. Like it, it's such a simple thing that, you know, it's about his room, but it's not so simple. It's actually profound that God is like wanting to be that real. Amen. He wants to be that real to us. And, and like, I, I believe that it's God's desire for us to be able to hear his voice and to encounter him and and god actually wants us to be so in tune with him that we're living what we can call supernaturally natural lives right like we we still have to have our natural life but we can do it in supernatural ways amen Amen. come on um Jessica and I have been watching a, a show on the Discovery Plus channel, and it's pretty cool. Some of you might like it. Some of you will think it's super boring. depends on what you're into. It's not one of those boring cooking shows, I'll tell you that, <laughs> or, or one of those, uh, one of the million home makeover shows that they're all the exact same thing, except there's just a different person in a different city, but they're all the same, right? I know you like them, babe. I love you anyway. It's a, you're good. All right. But this one's called um, Homestead Rescue. Has anybody ever heard of that? Homesca- so these, these people, they're, they're a family that lives in Alaska, and they've lived on their own homestead where they're off the grid. They, they've built their homestead to be completely self-sufficient and separate from the world and everything. And, and so there's like, there's like over a million people who have gone to homestead living in America in the last few years, which is wild. I, did, I had no idea. But, but the show is all about them because they've been doing it. Like the, the dad has been doing it all his life, so he's an expert. And and they they go to people's homes who started a homestead, but they don't they don't have a clue what they're doing. Like they're trying to go off the grid and they don't even know how to how to take care of themselves. That's pretty dangerous, really. But so they go and they rescue them and they they help them get their homestead set up so they can actually survive and not die in like four months because they didn't know what they were doing. So. But uh, we we recently watched this one episode, and the the people who built their homestead, I, th- I think it was maybe in East Tennessee, if I can't, if I can't remember, is in the Appalachians. But they they built their homestead on land that was that was completely, um, it was to- toxic because there's there's mines like right close, and so the whole the whole ground and land was toxic, and so. And, and they, they, they had this water, like you got to have water, right? If you're going to have a homestead, water is like the number one thing you have to have. And shelter like comes after water. So, it, yeah, it's got to be water that you can actually drink. But this was toxic. And and so, and it's like a marsh out there, so there's nothing for them. And they couldn't grow crops because the crops are, di- every, anything they plant, it dies. And so... This, this family comes there, and they, they figure things out, but um, he actually hires a water driller to come, and they come and Have you guys ever seen one of those water drilling machines? I don't know how they do it, but they set this machine up, and they run it, and they start drilling into the ground, and it just keeps drilling down and down and down, and they're able to feed pipe down there, until they, and they keep drilling until they tap water source down there. Okay. And so my in-laws live in, in Tennessee, and they've they had to dig a few ho- uh, wells like that, so they know this whole bit. So they kept digging, like all day, they're, they're just going deeper and deeper and deeper. And my mind can't even fathom how deep those things actually go, because they got like, I don't remember the exact amount. They probably got about 200 feet down. Do you know what 200 feet looks like? It's 20 stories high. They got 20 feet, 20 sorry, 20 stories, right? 200 feet down, and and they didn't find any water. They, but they finally broke through some bedrock down there, and found water. And it gushed out. And they tested it, and it was toxic. And they're like, I don't know if we're going to be able to do anything. And they kept dr- they kept drilling because w- that was like a there's like a pocket of water down there at that level. But, then, but under it, there's more bedrock. So it's like holds that in. And they were able to keep drilling through that and kept going down. And I think they got to about 400 feet down. And then all of a sudden, they hit water. And it gushed out. And it was pure water. Isn't that cool? So they were able to send pipe down and, and create an actual well that gave them pure water on toxic land. Pretty cool. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. And, and we were actually watching this episode with my in-laws while they are here, and they told me that they have a well on their property that, ha- that they had to dig 1,350 feet deep. Wow. 1,350 feet deep to hit a well. A well. That's crazy. I mean you don't know what's under you. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're, they're on toxic land, not, not my in-laws, this show. They're on this toxic land, nothing good can come from it. And they're drilling, and they're trying to tap water, and they actually hit some, but it's bad. And, and it's like, man, I don't think there's anything good in me, in, the, in my land, right? <laughs> but you keep drilling deeper. And you're going to tap something. And there's something under there that you didn't know was there. But pure, living water. Come on! And, and I just think that is a prophetic picture. The, the we who have been born again have Jesus Christ living inside of us. And He is the source of the living waters. And he is the resurrected, glorified Jesus Christ, and he lives inside of you. And you could be having a life where you have complete no clue what's under the ground that you live on and think it's all toxic, but but if you keep looking in there, you can find that there's something greater than you've ever known. Come on. And when you tap the source, it flows out, and it's the same on top as it was down there. But what's inside starts flowing forth, and it comes to the outside. Hallelujah. What is in you? What is in you? What's in your spirit, man, that you don't know is there? Because your spirit, man, has become fused into union with Jesus Christ, and it's not Jesus before He went to the cross. It's Jesus after He rose from the dead and was glorified and seated in the heavenly places next to His Father where He could rule this, this earth and this universe in the fullness of glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's the Jesus that you are one with. Come on. That's pretty amazing. When you read Revelation chapter 1, and it's John who went to heaven where Jesus is right now, and he saw him, and his hair was as white as wool, I don't think that he—that means he was an old man. I actually heard, uh, if you guys have probably heard this, that Jesse Duplantis had, a, had an encounter where he went to heaven and he saw Jesus, and he said he's glowing and radiating in glory, and it, when you look at him, it looks like it's white, but he said it's just, the, it's just because he's lit up. But he said he saw Jesus turn and his hair looked brown, but when he turned back, because his face is just glowing. And so the white, it's not because he's old, all right? It's because he's glowing, Come on. And, and, and he says his feet are as bronze and they, they glow, and, and he's got fire in his eyes. And he's got a sword coming out of his mouth, a double edged sword. That's Jesus who lives in you. Come on. That Jesus who, I've talked to you guys lately about this, that Jesus had three phases, all right? First phase was he was seated in the heavenly places and he's in the fullness of his glory, and his glory fills the earth, and his train the train of his robe fills the temple, and that's in Isaiah six. But then but then he laid it all down. He, he still was God, but he laid his godly attributes down to get it to get himself packaged into a human body, born as a baby, and, and pooping in his mom's arms right? But he, and he had to be raised just like any other kid, but, but he laid his life down and became the humble Jesus that we know and read. And he died on the cross, the ultimate form of humility, but that's phase two. But, but when Jesus resurrected from the dead, he was given his glory all back and, and stepped back into heaven, seated on his throne, and the glory that he once knew was fully restored to him all over again. Phase three, that's who Jesus is right now. That's the Jesus that lives in you. Isn't that awesome? Come on. So you you have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer you who live, but it's that Christ that lives in you. The resurrected one. Jesus... Said, I am the resurrection and the life. The resurrection, the essence, the nature, the, the, the power, the source, the power of resurrection. It's Jesus' life. And He lives in you. His resurrection is in you. The glory, Jesus was glorified, glorified, glowing, radiant, powerful, so powerful. The the Shekinah glory of God, so powerful that, that human flesh can't even stand in His presence. The weight comes on you and you feel the you feel the holiness and you feel the power and the the weight in his presence and his peace and his love but also the fear of God and it's all it, it sets on you you cannot stand in that in human flesh cuz he's so glorious and when his glory shows up miracles happen accidentally because it's, it, you, you can't put supernatural and natural environments and things not happen to change things. Amen? That's Jesus. That's, that's Jesus who lives in you. There's something in you that's greater than you know. But you got to keep drilling in. Come on. Do you know that when when fresh water comes into toxic land and it keeps flowing, it actually cleanses the land and makes it pure and clean. Whew. Come on. Anybody getting hungry and thirsty for him right now? I I want to read a few passages so we can just keep going deeper, all right? I'm I'm pulling the 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 spiritual water drill out. Let's go deeper. You coming with me? Yeah. All right. First John three. We we've, we've read this lately. I'm going to read that for a moment, and then go after that to Second Corinthians three. But First John three one through three right now. <clears throat> Behold, I want to remind you that means like be intentional to look at, perceive, and and. Take it all in. Like you you have to really put yourself into beholding, right? Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called, what should we be called? Children of God. We should be called children of God. And another version goes on, it says, um, and, and that we are. So we're not just called it, we actually are it, right? Therefore the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now, not some other time in the future when you get better, now we are children of God. We're not trying to become children of God. Now we are his children. Hallelujah. And it has not yet been revealed What we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. When the Lord reveals himself to you, you get transformed. The Lord wants to reveal himself to you, and he will reveal himself to you as he is. He probably won't reveal himself to you as you thought he was, or as you wished he was. But he's going to reveal himself to you the way he really is. And he wants us to accept it and behold it, and, and adjust ourselves. If we thought it was this, and he says, no, it's actually this, i got to let this go, so I can enter into this. It takes a lot of humility to let something go, and to adjust. But there's nobody like God that we need to be humble like that to. Amen? I've got to let go of my idea of who he is and let him reveal himself to me. But as he reveals himself to me, I become changed to become like him. Whoa. He wants to reveal himself to you, he wants to. And, and, and he, he wants you to know him as he is. He wants you to know him as he is. He wants it more than you want it. It's the, it's the absolute epitome of the desire of his heart is for, is for him to reveal himself to you. He wants it more than you do. Come on. But as he reveals himself to you, you've got to understand That he doesn't want to leave you unchanged. He he wants to change you. He he, he He wants the nature of himself that he's revealing to you to come forth in you and transform you. So you can look like your daddy. Come on. I like this. And in a moment, we're going to read out of 2 Corinthians 3. Some of these things I am reading to you lately are real power verses. (laughs) And and they're ones that sometimes I don't want to just flippantly toss out. Like I've been trying to preserve them for moments that, that we can get into them. And and give them the, the right measure of value, okay? So I'm getting ready to read something to you. I've been wanting to read for a long time, but it wasn't time yet. <clears throat> the the context of this talks about Moses. And and Moses, who is a pretty amazing chosen man of God in the old testament. And God invited him into some pretty profound encounters with himself. And he took him up on Mount Sinai. And, and the encounters with him were so profound and so glorious, so weighty, that, that he didn't really allow other people to come into it because they hadn't prepared themselves properly for it. Okay? Joshua sneaked in sometimes. (laughs) I think God let him. But Moses got to see God. Like that's no light thing. that's That's not something to take lightly. He saw God. And it says that the cloud of heaven came upon the mountain, covered it, where the million Israelites from afar looked and they saw it coming on and they saw within the cloud, they saw lightnings. And they, and they heard thunders and they, they even heard loud trumpets from heaven blowing from the angels. Like this was a crazy time, right? And Moses got invited to go even deeper in. And, and the Lord said, I will show you my glory. I won't let you see my face because that will that'll kill you, but I'm going to let you see my form. And he, and he saw him. And, and so, like Moses had this amazing relationship with God, where, where God would regularly visit him, and they saw God come down like a pillar of clouds sometimes and stand face-to-face to Moses. And they'd talk to each other like friends, it says. Come on. <laughs> you want to know God like that? Yes hope so but it talks about how how there were times when Moses would go up on the mountain to encounter God and then he would come down from the mountain and he would he would give instructions to the people and he was in that glory and when he came off that mountain his face shined like literally visibly shined like the sun it shined and it was the glory of God coming off of him. <laughs> That's amazing. The glory of God shining on his face. And, and so he would come and he'd talk to the people and the Lord is allowing them to see God's glory coming off of Moses' face while he's telling them the oracles of God and his commandments. Now, a lot of people don't like to be told what to do and what not to do, right? Right? But if you're looking at somebody who's shining glory, you kind of, you don't want to take that very lightly. This guy knows what he's talking about, and and he and God's meaning business, and this is real, right? I think a lot of people don't like church because they don't think it's real. (laughs) Like they might try to believe it's real, but but it's like where's God? I, I get the rules and I I get the do's and the don'ts and. The, the, all the stuff, but where's God? And it's like when you, when you see the evidences of God showing up, all of a sudden you start seeing, oh, this was way more real than I thought it was. Right? right. I, I believe that, that Moses, um, that when he came, that, that he was saturated in glory and he came down and it, that glory like soaked into him, and he was carrying the residue of the presence that he was in, and the residue was radiating. Glo- Everybody say glory residue. Glory residue. Come on. <laughs> I, I actually I, I met a guy years ago who used to go down to Brazil, and they would do ministry meetings, and God showed up in crazy profound ways. And there, there's this mountain they'd go up. And they would have prayer meetings up there with like just a few people. And at nighttime, he said that the glory came so thick, the 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 leaves on the trees started glowing in the dark. That's crazy. How? I don't know, but glory is something, and it's real. And so, and, and it also says that after Moses spoke for a while, the glory started fading until it went away because it didn't stay on him, right? And so he would, he would actually cover his face with a veil when he's talking to them so that they wouldn't see him without the glory anymore. It's like he showed them when the glory was shining, but then he covered himself so they couldn't see him without glory, <laughs> Like a lot of Christians do, <laughs> hiding. I don't have something to show you, so let me let me hide, and you won't know that it's not there. <laughs> I wonder how that just felt. I'm not trying to make you feel something. That wasn't aimed at anybody, but but the thing that about Moses is is the glory surrounded him. And it was external to him. And so what he carried down the mountain was residue of something that he was in that he wasn't in any longer. And it was fading because he wasn't in the midst of it anymore when he went down. Okay? But guess what? His experience with God was external. But you have... The indwelling God within you. <laughs> Did you hear me? Moses had these profound glory experiences, but he didn't have God in him. But you have the glorious Shekinah, Kabod, weighty presence God. Living inside you. you what, gl, what, when Moses had encounters and then he left, and, and, and the, he had the residue that glowed and his proof of where he was, and then it faded, okay? But he didn't have God in him. But you have something he didn't have. So you actually have greater things than Moses had. But you gotta go, you gotta, you gotta go in there. You gotta you gotta find the indwelling God to encounter him. Amen. Come on. <clears throat> Let's read it. Second Corinthians three. I'm gonna start with verse seven. And and it's gonna say it says, but if the ministry of death, and he's actually talking about the old covenant, okay? The old covenant was the ministry of death because it didn't actually produce abundant life. Jesus brought us a new covenant that brings abundant and eternal life. It's different. So if the ministry of death, talking about Moses and the old covenant, which was written and engraved on stones, if that ministry was glorious, because it was, we just talked about it, right? So that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of of his countenance, and that glory was passing away, all right? So, like they're visibly and tangibly experiencing God's glory radiating off of the man of God. But and they couldn't even look at him because it was so bright. But it says that glory was fading away, right? How but how will the ministry of the spirit, that's what you guys have, how will the ministry of the spirit not be more glorious? Come on. For if the ministry of condemnation, that's the old covenant, had glory, and it did, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. Whoa. For even what was made glor- or, gr- sorry even what was made glorious—that's the old covenant—had no glory in this respect, because of, of the glory that excels. Okay, we have a glory that excels. That means it is not going to fade. It's going to increase. Come on. Verse 11, for if what was what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. So we have a more glorious experience. Therefore, since we have such hope I wanna just tell you about hope real quick. Hope, it means that you have confident and joyful expectation of something you're not experiencing yet, okay? So is there anybody in here who's regularly experiencing manifest, glowing, thick, kabod, shekinah glory experiences externally? Is anybody regularly experiencing that? Why aren't you guys raising your hands? You're not? So do you feel like if, if you would think about that, that you don't, would, would, it, would it potentially make you think, I don't have as great of a thing that Moses had? So like that's common, right? I don't have something as great as Moses had. But this says that we have such a hope. So I have to have a hope that this thing that doesn't fade away but excels, that something greater is going to excel towards a greater thing to where it will excel so much that it will eventually catch up to what Moses had and then go beyond instead of fade back. I don't know if I'm being clear right now <laughs> cuz if I am this is pretty exciting. All right, therefore since we have such hope, I'm going to I'm going to believe and I'm excited. I'm expecting a greater glory to start increasing, excelling, manifesting. Amen? So what we have right now, we shouldn't be like bummed like, man, I don't have it. No, I have hope that this glory is going to excel in my life. This glory is going to excel in overflow church. This glory is going to excel in the central indiana region come on you gotta be excited about i got a pickle i got a pickle right we gotta like double fist what you got and get excited about it and trust that god is going to excel this thing come on all right because we have such great hope we use great boldness of speech and. I'm talking to you guys boldly right now. Like there's something coming that you haven't even tasted yet. Some of you have had great doses along the way, but you still haven't seen anything yet. And you got to know that we have the way to get there. Okay? Come on. All right, verse 13. Unlike Moses, who put on a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. So he was hiding that this thing was even going away, right? But their minds were blinded. Everybody say their minds were blinded. Okay, so what you perceive with your mind, it's, it's blinded. It's, there's something covering your ability to see things for what they actually are, okay? All right? Their mind was blinded. For until this day, the same veil, this is talking about a veil of being able to see truth, right? The same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament, because the veil is taken away in Christ. So when Christ comes and you're in Christ, He actually is removing veils. He's removing curtains over your eyes. He's taken away the thing that blinds your ability to see something that actually was already there. Just like the the living water 400 feet down was already there the whole time. They had to tap it, but then it became revealed to them what was already present. There's something with you that's already present in Christ that's beyond what you're seeing right now, beyond what you're already experiencing. There's more to that, and God wants to reveal to you. He wants to remove the curtains, the veil, unveiling of the eyes, show you something that already exists with you right now. Come on. It says that the veil is is taken away in Christ. How many of you are in Christ? A couple of you. Awesome. We're doing good. All right. We're getting there. There's, there's a few more now that's in Christ. Anybody else in Christ? Yeah. Oh, oh. That's. Whew. I thought I was gonna have to change our ministry approach. <laughs> Turned it into evangelism instead. <laughs> I'm just joking. All right. In Christ. If you're in Christ, he he wants to remove veils, take away blindness, show you things that are, that you didn't know was there. It's already there. Okay? You catching that? Yes. All right. I also want to say, too, this says that the the veil remains for those who are reading the Old Testament. But I I would also say that you can read the New Testament and be completely blinded to this stuff if you're not reading it. with the Spirit of God that removes the veil, okay? So the next verse, it says, but even to this day, when Moses is read, the veil lies on their heart. Well, even if you read any of the word and you're doing it on your wisdom and knowledge instead of on God's, you got a veil. It's covering you. Verse 16, nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. All right? God wants to show you things that you can't see that he already has put in you and has already done for you. He wants to remove veils and expose greatness that already exists in your midst that you would never know to access because you don't know it's there. Come on. Verse 16, nevertheless. All right, I just, I just read that. Verse 17, now the, the Lord is the Spirit. Everybody say the Lord is the Spirit. The is the Spirit. And where the Spirit, the, is, the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is freedom. There is, freedom. Freedom. There is freedom. freedom. Come on. The Holy Spirit wants to remove the veil to show you what already is there and to set you free to experience the fullness of God. Come on. He's here right now. I I, I actually feel Him moving right now. Removing veils. Lord, I ask You to remove blindness on our hearts. Remove veils, Lord, that that block our ability to see the glorious resurrected Christ that You put inside of us. Show us, Lord. Show us the the things that are in You that's in us that we don't even know yet. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Verse eighteen. That's where I'm headed. Verse eighteen. But we all, who are, yeah. we are, yeah. who, who's we? It's it's us who are in Christ. Amen. Yeah. Us who are in Christ. We all with unveiled face. See Moses put the veil right. We all with unveiled face. How do you get an unveiled face? By the Spirit of God who gives you freedom. He wants to set you free from the veil. (laughs) We all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror. That's a weird thing to add in there. Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Come on. See, this is what the Holy Spirit wants you to know, right? That you, by the Spirit of God, can behold the glory of the Lord. You can. He wants to reveal to you, He wants to take away blinders from you that cause you to not be able to see the glory that is shining and glowing, radiating, loving, and empowering, and freeing, and breaking chains. Come on, resurrecting. Whew. You can, okay? We all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Why does it say as in a mirror? <laughs> he, he wants us to behold His glory. He wants to show you Jesus in His resurrected, glorified state. And, and for, you to, for you to behold Him and to, and to fall in love with Him and to, and to worship Him and to be consumed by Shekinah, glory. Amen. He wants that so much. Reveal it to you. I want you right now, just by faith, I want you to just take a moment by faith and behold Jesus in his glory right now. If you need to close your eyes, go for it, but behold him, the glorious one, the the one who is pure love, the one who is pure peace, the one who is pure freedom, Glory, he radiates. It's like lightning shines forth from him. It's electrifying. Glory flowing. I want you guys to see him. The glorious one. Hallelujah. As you're you're beholding him, this says, don't just behold him Behold him as if you are looking in a mirror. Excuse me? Yes. As if you're looking in a mirror. What does that mean? Behold him, guys. Look in his glory. But he wants you to see his glory with an unveiled face. What is a veil? It's a covering It hides things. Take the veil off. Expose yourself. Don't hide behind a mask. Don't hide behind something that would cause people to not see what's there. Okay? Expose yourself to the Lord. And as you're exposing yourself to Him, taking the veil off, also see Him. See His glory. Nakedness before the Lord is necessary for God to be able to reveal Himself to you. Okay? taking the shame. Anything you're afraid of, anything that you don't want God to see or, or to focus on. Let it go. Let it go. And just know that God wants to reveal His glory to you. And, and you gotta, you, you can't have any barriers between you and Him. Let it go because he's not focusing on the thing that you're hiding. He wants to focus on encompassing you and saturating you with his Shekinah glory. Stuff, that stuff that can, that can shame us has got to not be a barrier. Let him consume you. He loves you despite it. But the good news is he doesn't encounter you and leave you the same. Amen? He doesn't encounter you and leave you the same. So, whatever the thing was that you didn't want him to see, you can't ever become or come out of that if you don't show it first. But let him come and consume you. Behold him as in a mirror. Behold him as in a mirror. I'm looking at you, God but I have to see it as though I'm looking at me, huh? When I look at you, you want me to see me? Yep, when I'm looking at you and I see a reflection of myself with no veil on, I I had to have come to a reckoning of the thing that I didn't want shown, but I gotta let it go, okay? And I've got I've to see him, but I've got to see me. I've got to see me as I'm seeing him. As I'm looking at him and I see him in his, in, in his glory, he wants me to actually see his glory in me. He's not wanting me to look at myself in the mirror and notice the things that I was afraid to unveil. He wants me to look past that, let it go, look at His glory and see His glory in me. Whoa. That's crazy. As, I want to reread that and keep going. It says, But we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. So when I see me in that mirror... I have to see me as his glory. What? That's what he wants you to see about yourself, too. We are, in, in doing that, we are being transformed. We are being transformed. That word, transformed. Yet again is the Greek word metamorpho, which is the word when Jesus was on the mountain and he encountered the glory that God had, was going to reinstate back to him. and he, It says he was transfigured, his face altered, and he shone like the sun in the glory that God was about to, put, to bring back to him when he goes back to heaven. Jesus encountered that on the mountain. He was transfigured. It's metamorpho. He was transfigured into the fullness of, this, of the glory that was about to get re, re, restored back to him. Come on. You guys good today? But, but now that same word, transfigured, it's metamorpho. It right here, it says, it says have, take the veil off your face. Look into the glory of God and let him reveal his glory to you. But while you're doing it, you have to do it as if you're looking in a mirror. And while you're doing that, looking at his glory and seeing it in you too, you're being transfigured, transformed, transfigured into the same image. Whoa. Whoa. God sees something in you way greater than you've ever looked in the mirror and seen in yourself. (laughs) But He's not looking at you on the surface level. all right? Because God says man looks at outward appearance but I look at the heart. And so when, when we're having this encounter with God, He wants to show you His glory but in the same experience, He wants to reveal to you who you are to Him. That as you behold his glory, he wants you to see yourself in his glory. Whoa. Because while you're doing that and he's revealing himself to you, you're being transformed into the same image that he revealed to you. And back to 1 John 3 when it says that, that we will see him as he is, and when we see him, we will be changed to be like him. When the Lord is revealing himself to you, he's trying to actually invite you, it's in permission, into his glory. Jesus paid a high price with his blood to give you the VIP invitation into the fullness of his glory. And when you are born again, he put his full self into you. He didn't put his, he didn't like sever his glory and his resurrection power off of himself. To say, here I'm going to give you this partial part of me. Okay? No, he gave you the whole thing. He wants you to see it. He wants you to see him in the fullness of his glory as in a mirror. So you can see back what he knows is in you. You guys are mighty quiet taking it in all right i hope you're hope hope you're getting drawn into encounter cuz this is not just good theology all right it is good theology it is 100% i believe accurate theology but it's not meant to be theology it's meant to be encounter and lifestyle. Amen? So if, if we see it as good theology, it can tickle our ears. Okay? But if we see it as something to engage with and to meditate on and to behold and to enter into, it can literally bring transformation, transfiguration. That glory that's in you can start getting tapped And start flowing out. But we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory, the Shekinah, Kabod, radiating glory, all right, of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. From glory to glory. Everybody say that. From glory to glory. Do you remember a while ago it said that the, 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 old, the old covenant had that old kind of glory on it, which was incredible because Moses, that story is like, whoa. But it says that one is fading. But it says this one is excelling, Right? This one is excelling. It's going to greater places. It's going to greater places. You guys stay with me because I'm going to be wrapping up soon. So we're we're going from glory to glory. We have a hope that we can speak boldly of, right? Because this thing that we have is excelling from where it's been to greater places, right? Right? So, so you have probably had moments along the way where the Lord has revealed himself to you and you had profound experiences, or however, maybe it was profound or maybe it wasn't. It doesn't matter. I want to tell you it was real. And whatever it was, the Lord used that to transform you into his image at the measure of what you experienced. Okay? But there's hope because he's changing you from glory to glory. And he wants to excel the glorious experience in your life to greater measures. He wants to transform you one glory at a time. All right? He wants to transfigure you one glory re- revealing to the next, excelling, going to new levels. And, and, and here's the good news, all right? Because you don't have to think of it like, Man, I've been missing out. You can think of it like, man, I got a pickle. <laughs> yeah, if anybody's listening online, you won't hear this probably. It's an inside joke. But, like, you, you got to know that what he's given you, the measure he's given you has, has been real. It's real. And he's changed you. But he's got more. And he wants to excel you into more. And he wants to reveal, take away the blinders for glory. And there's more. And every time that he reveals, the more you get changed. But it's not going to stop. If you keep going deeper in this, it's not going to stop at a nominal Christian level. It's not going to stop at average Christian experiences. Okay? It's not going to stop at even your favorite encounter experience whatever your most amazing experience in God's presence ever was he actually wants to bring you to a place where maybe you saw that as the high water mark and he wants to take you in a place where that becomes your baseline and it's increasing and he's got more so the greatest heights that you've ever experienced he's moving you into greater places where that becomes normal and then the the invitation to the more goes beyond what you already know. But if we look at Moses and the man who radiated visibly glory from an external experience, and this is saying that that is inferior to what we have, we can believe that God wants to our glory experiences to a place that Moses never even dreamed of if you, if you think of Moses and that thick glory and seeing God and that's inferior what is God dreaming for you <laughs> what is he dreaming for you Start dreaming. Don't, don't get complacent. Okay? You need to understand that, that when you struggle with things or you feel like you're dipping in or out, or you're going up or you're going down or, or, or old behavior start creeping back or whatever it is, Like you need to remember in those moments, that is not who I am. I am in union with the resurrected, glorified, victorious Christ. And I draw from that place in this moment right now to overcome this measly little petty challenge that used to feel like it crushed me every time. No, when you know who you are, you start realizing in Christ that stuff actually becomes more petty than you used to realize. Rise up. Be who you are. Know who you are. Conquer that stuff. We don't have time. Let me tell you, we do not have time to keep struggling with old behaviors. You don't have time for it because God has huge things in store for you. The, the reason why we're not seeing the radiating, glowing, powerful, dynamic, earth-shattering, earth-shaking bride of Christ is because people keep staying in the old stuff all the time. But when we when we realize that Jesus actually set us free from that and we rise up and we enter into this resurrected lifestyle that we can actually engage with a glorified Christ, I'm in union with that person. I'm going to tell you a story Then I'm going to have to close, all right? <laughs> Years ago, I, I was in Chico, California, and... I, I went there just to have a day to, to write in my book that I, that I wrote back then. And I, I was sitting in this coffee shop. I think it was actually called the Naked Lounge or something. It's like, <laughs> whatever. People weren't naked there, I promise. But, but I was sitting there and I was, I was writing about the revelation of our union with Christ. My oneness with him. And I was like, man, I can't just sit here and write it. Like, I, I need to pause and encounter this for a moment because I, I don't need to just be telling about it. I need to be living it. So I stopped writing, put it down, and closed the computer, and I just opened my arms like this. And I'm like, Lord, I'm one with you. You're one with me. And I started feeling his presence, like, immediately started feeling him coming on me, and I felt his glory, and I, I, I remembered him saying to me, my spirit is in union with the resurrected, glorified Christ, and so I, I just looked inside of me, and I felt that Shekinah glory just swelling in me. Right there, <laughs> with a blended mocha in front of me. A bunch of hippies around me. Well, hipsters, Sorry hipsters and I'm sitting there like they're all talking about uh, philosophy or whatever and I'm like (laughs) I didn't even care what it looked like I'm just like god this is amazing I could just feel them in me and all of a sudden I had this crazy encounter um uh, my you you might think I'm nuts for this If you don't like what I'm getting ready to say, talk to me later, and I'll show you in the Bible that it actually is real. (laughs) My spirit came out of my body. Literally came out of my body and, and was on the other side of the room, and I looked back on myself, and I was having this weird dual reality experience because I could feel me in my body, I was just sitting there like I could feel me like this. <laughs> I don't know what I'd look like to other people. But 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 I was I was looking at myself. My eyes were closed. I was looking at myself from the other side of the room, sitting there like this. As if I was looking in a mirror. But I was over there looking at me. And like I remember. I, my I, my head got itchy and I scratched it while I'm in this encounter. I'm like scratching my head. Like who wants to, who wants to be distracted with an itch while you're encountering God? But I I I saw me. I felt me go for the itch. But I was watching me and I saw my hand go up and start scratching like that and go down. I, like I saw me and I felt me doing it. Does that make sense? Like dual is weird. And so while I'm doing this. <laughs> All of a sudden, I oh, didn't see me anymore. I saw Jesus sitting there. I, I literally, I'm, I'm not joking with my eyes, I saw Jesus sitting there right where I was. I didn't even see me. Jesus was sitting there going like this. <laughs> and, I, and I felt that itch again. <laughs> and I did that, but I, and I saw Jesus reach up and scratch the itch. Because it was Jesus in me. And he was showing me a vision, or it, was, it wasn't just a vision. I was having a real life encounter. I literally saw it. I saw Jesus, and, and like I, I moved my arm, I, I moved around like this, but, Jesus, but I saw Jesus doing that. Stretch my back. Jesus. Not because not Jesus needed to stretch his back, because he was showing me union with Jesus. It's him, it's me. I'm in him, he's in me. We're one. Okay? I'm not Jesus, all right? I'm not trying to say that. I'm one with Jesus. He was revealing this to me. Hallelujah. And so I was I was seeing a real spiritual picture of Galatians 2:20. It says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, it's Christ who lives in me. (laughs) No longer I who live, it's Christ who lives in me. I'm in Christ, Christ is in me. It's not just me, now it's me and Jesus, fused into one. Come on. We don't worship ourselves, I'm not saying we're God, I'm just saying he's, he's made you one with him. And it's way more profound than you have any clue. Way more profound than you have any clue because he's he's grafted you into the nature and the spirit of Jesus Christ in oneness with him, and your spirit and his spirit are one together. And the, 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 like, if you could imagine, like, Jesus looking into himself and just the radiations, the vibrations of his glory and the cells and the the DNA that's in him, like he's actually fused all that into you in the spirit. It's deeper and greater than you know. And the Lord, through the spirit of God, wants to unveil your eyes, your understanding, to the deeper, the bigger, the greater the more glorious, the more resurrected than you even knew what resurrected meant. It gives a new meaning to the verse in Romans 8 that says that God will give life to your mortal body. It says the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead gives life to your mortal body. What? Yeah, so the resurrection power of God actually lives in you. Come on. Whew. Why don't you guys stand? Lord, I, I pray for all of us right now, in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, come and bring complete freedom to us, Lord. And I, I pray that you'll show us what it looks like to, to take veils off, Lord. Lord, that's partly our responsibility to, to take off masks and things that we're hiding behind, and then it's your responsibility also to remove it, So, that, so that, but we do that together. And so that you can reveal glory and more glory. We're being changed from glory to glory, God. I I pray for the next glory, Lord. The revealing of this next glory for all of us. And transform us. And help us to look as in in a mirror, see ourselves. See you. And to see you in us and to see your glory and transfigure us, Lord. Transform us. Change us forever. To be more like you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.